Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aptcast, where iron sharpens iron and we poke each other with the pointy ends. Yeah, there it is. And that's my co-host here, Alex. What's going on, buddy? Hey, fam. What's up, happy people? And sad people, because Casey's not with us. (laughs) We got to get that guy on again. Another Three Amigos Part 2. Right? Or part whatever. I don't know. Because we're all more than one together. They're all part three, because it's three parts or something. Yeah, that works. (laughs) Three Amigos Part 3. That's right. Always. Um, But yeah, thanks for joining us. Good to have uh, Alex not in studio, but still virtual. One of these days. One of these days we'll get a studio. Um, Catch us on uh, your podcast catchers. All of them. Your your Spotify's, your Apple Podcasts, Google, all all the things. Uh, We're on the social medias. Connect with us there. We love to hear from you. Like and share uh, Facebook post. We're on Gab as well. Uh, Leave us a comment. Leave us a message. Uh, We'd love to interact with the listeners. I hear what's going through your mind when you listen to (laughs) our ramblings. Uh, More so his. Yeah, I'm I'm fine either way. <laughs> but uh, I mean, mine are definitely rambling, like yeah. a rabbit hole kind of rambling. Mine are rambling like right now. <laughs> and we're also on YouTube, so if you're watching this on YouTube, hey, sad people and happy people alike, good to have you, <laughs> and uh, all the people in between. Um, and that's got it today. I think uh, we're we're gonna talk some theology a little bit because apparently. Uh, the Pope has decided to um, have an interfaith prayer meeting of sorts all the way in Ur. Is that right, Alex? Um, yes. Sure. Yes, <laughs> Ur. I guess that's how you pronounce that. Yeah, that's uh, where, uh, what's his face? Old Abraham. That's Abraham. Where he was from, right? That's what they think. <laughs> I mean, that's, the that's region, the belief. Yeah, the, the the modern regions have changed so much from biblical times. It, it's 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 significantly more than an educated guess, but it's it's not an exact science. Yeah, but even if that's the case, right? Even if that is the birthplace of Abraham, one that'd be a really cool place to visit, just in general, right? Anywhere in the Middle East. That kind of history, that the culture uh, that's there, just just that. But from a, um, I don't know, a religious or theological viewpoint, um, I guess it makes sense from the Catholic perspective, right? Because you've got your icons and, and idols. Sorry, Catholics, that's the way it is. Um, we don't, uh, as as Protestants, we don't find the same value in um, the, the tangible things, right? We, we don't see... Um, any specific uh, sacredness for, say, where Jesus was uh, in his earthly ministry as extra special because of that, that that's where Jesus was. It's neat. It's a fascinating uh, visit uh, for those who have, but it's just, it's not the same for us, right? Or this attachment to Mary as the forever virgin mother of God and, and worthy of almost worship i call it worship they don't uh and well, if you're praying to, to somebody her, yeah, yeah praying to someone who's dead there's nothing in the bible that says to pray to a non-living person and yeah we, we won't get into the rabbit hole there that wasn't that wasn't our goal but it's probably <laughs> going to go there with the discussion we're going to have on the pope's 
activities lately in this particular event. Yeah. So um, with that, yeah, setting the, the Semper Virgo doctrine uh, aside for the moment, um, what what is it? Because I'm, I'm still kind of too new to this. You've read into it a little bit more than I have. What's the purpose of this particular trip? What's, what's going on here? So it it's an event. Uh, what we're talking about is the Pope has a visit to Iraq, uh, a ziggurat uh, planned to bring together several faiths. And apparently there's a tourist component to it. He's the, the, the article talks about him hoping to bring more visitors. I don't know whether that's visitors to the site or visitors interested in the faith. Uh, it's not exactly clear. Um, anyway, so this location that's supposedly the birthplace of Abraham, it's an interfaith prayer meeting between uh, Catholics, Christians, uh, Muslims, Jews, and I don't know who else he may be planning to bring. It's it's the uh, children of Abraham religions uh, more than anything because all three of those religions are uh, view Abraham as the father of their religion, uh, even though uh, we won't get too blunt or rude with it, but even though Satan is actually the father of the, the third one, the Muslim <laughs> religion. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry for it, you. To, to be fair and to be uh, biblically accurate, uh, right, Abraham had uh, two, two sons, that are the, yes. the the source of the split, right? Isaac is where you get your Jewish faith and you get the Christian faith. Whether uh, we, we would be Protestant, you also get descendant the, the, of the their process, yeah. Right. Uh, the the Muslims recognize Ishmael, which was the true firstborn, right? Yeah. The, the the earthly uh, firstborn, uh, as it were, and that's where their uh, their, their lineage comes from. So. Yes. Uh, for, for those of you, uh, for those of our listeners who aren't exactly hip, that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. And yeah. no, no, we're not. And, saying, I, and I'm not pulling saying. some kind of uh, alternative biblical facts, quote unquote. Right. Uh, you know, alternative facts kind of scenario where Satan is literally the father of uh, Muslims. It's just <laughs> their faith, uh, especially the Quran. Uh, and all the violence uh, enforcing and uh, child uh, marriage type things in it, that those are not things of God, right? So it's it's clearly anti-God type religion, uh, whereas the Jews, at least the um, Orthodox, Orthodox Jews that depend on the Torah, uh, still believe in the God we believe in. They just reject Jesus as the Messiah, whereas the... Ooh, I don't I didn't plan on getting deep in theology tonight. Uh, the Talmud believing Jews uh, hate Jesus, despise him, uh, uh, largely are anti-religious. Uh, you know, despite us and the uh, Torah following Orthodox Jews simultaneously. Well, the, the Orthodox Jews also hold a reverence of sorts to the Talmud, right? Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of weird how that dynamic has played out. It's become the, as much the core of their religious philosophy. And, you know, th this is an outsider looking in on it. If there are Orthodox Jews uh, out there listening to us and we are just completely wrong, please tell us. Uh, but the Talmud has, as far as I can tell, really uh, driven home into 
the orthodoxy, the, the religious and political and cultural ideology of Jews who are more than just cultural Jews, right? If, if they yeah. believe in anything even remotely Jew, religious, uh, the, the Talmud is deep in their – I don't even know if I'd call it a faith – their philosophy. Well, there, there's a philosophy of sorts, right, uh, regardless of what kind of religious adherence you have. Uh, my understanding of the, of the Talmud is that it's, uh, in more simple terms, it's basically a book of parables with, with a commentary. And so that's kind of what the yeah. uh, Jewish tradition as we know it now is built part, and uh, maybe large part, small part, depending on how you interpret the uh, Torah, which we would recognize as the Old Testament, as well as the Talmudic literature and the various commentaries uh, uh, throughout history. And that's, that's kind of influenced it. Uh, as a Christian, right, we've got Jesus and his parables. So that's really all, all we need. Uh, but uh, the Jewish tradition does have a, a series of parables in their own commentary as well. Yeah, uh, and it, it's good to to mention the difference between the, the Orthodox Jews as well as uh, really I've heard the term used secular Jew, and, and that's coming from David Berlinsky who uses that moniker himself. Uh, really smart guy, check him out. Yeah. But uh, um, he uh, he he uses it, it, it to represent um, Judaism as or, or his Jewishness as part of his heritage physically, biologically, but not so much ideologically. And the same kind of pattern, actually, we've seen in Catholicism over the years, right? I mean, I don't know how much you've, you've seen of it, Alex, but I, I've seen this growing trend of people who are born into a, a Catholic family, but never really grab onto the, to even that faith for their own. It's just sort of traditions. It's who they are. It's part of their identity, but it's more familial rather than ideological. Yeah. Which yeah, is a nice segue back to the Pope. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the whole reason we brought this up is the Pope and this interfaith meeting in the birthplace of Iraq and all three religions being uh descendant of Abraham's family, uh, and the cultures and philosophies that developed from the two sons. But yeah, so uh, He's done a lot to try to affect the religious world and bring unity, which kind of scares me because it plays into the Revelation story of a one-world religion that's only, uh, yeah, that's only uh, on the surface a religion. It's really just a philosophy of love others, do as you do, you know, uh, kind of Unitarianism in nature. This is the same Pope, right, who said that uh, an atheist could go to heaven? Um, best atheist? I don't want to quote him. I don't remember if he said that. He said some really just non-biblical, heretical things that real Orthodox— well, Haven't all Popes? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. but he's he's been, holy cow, has he ever been worse than the average— um, and that's another thing that just kills me about the Pope. He, he's the mouthpiece of God to the Catholic world. So, uh, like, the the culture, the practices of the church, and his statements are 
equitable to scripture itself to them. And that's just mind boggling to me uh, that, that, that they could take two things that can very easily and clearly be demonstrated to be in conflict with each other and say, yeah, they both have equal value. And it's just like, uh, dude, one doesn't have value except from derived from the other. And the one deriving its value from the other is the guy speaking, claiming to represent the Christianity demonstrated in this old book. <laughs> and I say old book kind of sarcastically. You know, it's much more than that. But uh, it's just funny that they, they can't accept that the power and the authority of the church is derived from Christ and the book, not co-equal with it. Uh, so in many ways, this is just this is just a way to expose people to Christianity, right? It could easily be seen as that. But if you dig down into it, it yeah, right. Uh, you know, that's kind of his job is to spread the, the word to the nations. But if you dig down into it, that's not what he's doing. It, 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 it's everybody do your own thing. We're not trying to expose you to Christianity. We're just trying to merge and be kumbaya, right? And that's not what we're called to. We're, we're called to uh, make disciples of all men, right? Uh, so all nations, but all nations. Yeah, yeah. Let's not let's not get into the all means all debate. Leave <laughs> uh, it to a Calvinist to correct you on scripture. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it, it it's just interesting that this is coming up on the same day that I first found out about this. Uh, oh gosh, what was it called? It was called a church gog moss or something, church moss gog or something like that. This interfaith building in Germany uh, that I don't know whether it's already been built. Construction started in 2017. Uh, it's in Berlin, I think. It's this giant, ugly, awful, modern-looking building that is a Jewish synagogue, a Muslim mosque, and a Christian church, nominally each of those, all in one building. They each have their own space, but there's common spaces on top of that. It's a multi-level building. It's like it's like twenty or thirty stories tall. Uh, three like Minecraft-looking building blocks stacked next to each other of different heights. It's the most ugly modern-looking thing in the world. And those religions just do not get along together, right? They, they will either they will either lose their spiritual identities. All three of them will. Or they will clash because they just don't mesh with each other. So yeah. no matter how you look at it, it it's – and I, I'm not trying to be bigoted. It's just the facts that Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, their beliefs, their practices, they don't mesh. So how they can all coexist in this one facility and be all kumbaya, they will either conflict and clash or they will lose their spiritual identity. So none of them will be Judaism, Christianity, or Islam. They will be some amalgamation that doesn't reflect any of their unique teachings. Right. And that's, that's an important distinction also to make going into this, because 
where we can have civil dialogue and discourse and personally find various levels of agreement with uh, Jews and Muslims alike as Christians, we have to go into it recognizing what those differences are and being honest about where those differences are. And for, yes. for um, Christians, uh, for, for all three of them alike, really, um, there, there are sadly um, a large number of but to uh, sufficient to be noticeable, where um, their their faith isn't really that important in the discussion. So we, we speaking from a Christian perspective, we're all too ready to set aside our deeply held theological beliefs and the foundations of our worldview for the sake of a discussion. And uh, I think you and I will both agree we don't need to set those foundations aside. Let's bring them into the discussion so that we can be more honest. So this wishy-washy kind of lukewarm, you do your thing, I'll do my thing kind of thing, doesn't put up a, a, a veneer of inauthenticity. Is that, is that a word? Yes. Now, <laughs> uh, I can't talk. But to, to make sure we're still authentic and we're allowing uh, the people we're in dialogue with to be authentic, um, and, but we're and, and simultaneously, neither one of us are, are um, put in a place where we have to sacrifice uh, something that we hold dear, and, and we should. We, we should right. hold dear. And you know that that's the thing that concerns me most about this whole Pope doing this kumbaya thing in Iraq and this interfaith church, and it, it's it's not an unwillingness to participate with others. It, it's are they going to water down each faith so that they force people to give up their deeply held beliefs for coexistence, right? right. I, I'm not going to force an Orthodox Jew to believe anything I believe just so we can get, get along better than we otherwise would. I'm not going to force a Muslim to believe something I believe or act culturally the way a Westerner would whether it be uh, their women being uncovered, not wearing the burqas, or our women wearing a burqa to placate them, or anything else, the prayer six times a day towards Mecca, I'm never going to get on my knees and pray towards the East because Scripture doesn't require me to do that, right? And yeah. I'm going to pray to what I see as a false god. Uh, so it, it's just it's a really slippery slope, right? And I'm trying not to make it a slippery slope fallacy where I, I over-exaggerate the, the change that could occur, the, the never-ending continual loss of identity. But each religion has its own beliefs, and they need to stick to those to be those religions. Right. I think Judaism and Islam are wrong, but that's not the point of this, right? It, it, it's that yeah. these plans of meshing these unique identity religions or meshing the people in the midst of the di uh, disparate religious beliefs, it, it just can't work without losing the identity. Yeah, it's not, and this is something that uh, we've encountered in numerous conversations uh, online. It's not a slippery slope fallacy if you're applying the standard consistently. I think that's what you're talking yeah. about here is the, the religions or, or the, the, the theological viewpoints are so far apart 
in foundational ways that in order to mesh them together for any practical purpose, the means of doing that would erode all of them uh, to some extent, uh, or at the very least, all but one. Right. You know, the other the, the others, the other two would be absorbed and dissipated or they would all lose some identity for the sake yeah. of coexistence as a single entity. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's that's um, goes into what you're talking about, because if if this goal here is to bring all all the people from these faiths together from a Christian perspective, that is impossible to do apart from the atoning work of Christ. Right? Yes. It's impossible to do apart from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to do apart from what we would understand as a biblical view of salvation. Similarly, the Jews and the Muslims have their independent views of how that's done in order to um, you know, join in common cause with the Muslims theologically. There would have to be a confession of uh, Allah that that involves Allah that involves Muhammad as his prophet and I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it I, I know it well enough to know there are some requirements there that like you said we would push back on praying a certain number of times a day six days a week or I mean six times a day um, facing a certain direction right we, we can see spiritual disciplines as a good thing uh, and but not a necessary thing because it's not based off our works. Exactly. It's these types of things that when you get in and say, all right, in order for for all three of these uh, viewpoints to mesh in a practical way, maybe we need to set the atonement of Christ aside. Maybe we need to set um, specific mentions of of Muhammad aside or maybe particular applications of those in the life and and say they're at least not as important as you, you would want them to be. And so it's more important in building relationships to look past that, that particular difference. And right. it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to do from any of the three perspectives, uh, provided they taken, uh, they're taken seriously. Yeah. And in, in a social, in a cultural environment, it's necessary for the Christian to do that, to show the love to non-believers, right? But in... A, a faith scenario, you can't worship two separate ways, two separate entities, most likely, mm-hmm. together as if you're worshiping the same way, worshiping the same God, right? Yep. They, they, they respect Christ as a great philosopher, as a renowned uh, prophet, but not, but not God. as God, not as the Son of God. Right. They, they reject that wholly and are, are very violently, adamantly against that. Uh, Jews, depending on whether they are Torah Orthodox or Talmud Orthodox and cultural Talmud, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the, the Talmud, it doesn't name Jesus. You know, the, the um, Hebrew language doesn't even have a J, which is a funny uh red herring <laughs> argument from atheists you you got a guy whose name isn't even in the bible because they didn't have a j anyway squirrel um uh <laughs> jesus isn't named in the talmud but he he, he seems to be referenced yeah and he, he's sitting in hell in his own feces and urine <laughs> yep. 
So they don't exactly like the guy. <laughs> yeah, interesting uh, note. Muslims uh, foundationally typically have a, a higher view of Jesus than the Jews do. Yeah, but, but to be fair, Jesus never said a, a, a negative thing about any Muslims because they didn't exist at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they were several centuries later. Yeah. Uh, and I know we've talked about the historical perspective of Jesus, uh, Muhammad didn't even write his entreaties, uh, one of his, one or multiple, I forget which it is, of his followers wrote them decades later after his death. Um, so fun times there, right? Yeah. Anyway, I mean, Jesus never wrote scripture himself either, but the people who wrote it lived with him uh, and don't, don't tell with, the uh, liberal Christians. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Paul uh, didn't write the letters. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Ugh. Anyway, so it's just an interesting place we find ourselves in. I mean, it's it's like the cultural left biased coexist concept. Right. Uh, coexists only works if you t- tend towards a nothing really matters. Everybody has their own truth. Everybody has their mm-hmm. own subjective reality. There isn't an objective fact or reality or truth. Uh, you can't have objective truth, uh, objective reality, and right. have the kind of coexist that the Pope is going for. So it, it, it's really concerning with all the other things at play right now. Uh, there's talk of a one-world currency. There's several countries getting away from the dollar. Um, Myanmar arrested their central bank managers and are probably going to reset their finances. So they're going to push away from the dollar. Uh, Russia seems to have, uh, I'm not sure exactly what they've done because the, I I never really trust the news coming out of Russia, but (laughs) with good reason. Yeah. (laughs) But they, they seem to have either arrested their bankers or, forced their banks to move away from the dollar. Mm -hmm. China's been trying to do that for almost two decades now. They have a whole group of nations that are working to move away from the dollar to um, have something else as a reserve currency and be able to trade independent of the dollar, especially trade oil uh, with the OPEC nations. So, uh, you know, the, the dollar in some manners theoretically was already the one world currency, but not truly so. Nowadays, there is talk of a true one world currency mm-hmm. or a one world means of uh, trade, and it's most likely going to be digital, potentially a cryptocurrency. Bitcoin. It's gonna be, well, probably not Bitcoin. There's too little of it. Uh, For I now. mean, it can, it can be divided into one hundred thousandths of a single bitcoin so theoretically you could still trade in it but people are so used to whole denominations not fractions of dominations as the standard means of trade uh something more like xrp or xlm would be the more likely uh crypto yeah uh anyway that's that's totally independent of the thought i was trying to follow Sorry. uh <laughs> you know the what one ends up being the the international standard uh it would be trackable. It would be traceable. It would it would unify the world more so than we've ever been before, at least 
socioeconomically and politically. Uh, different currencies, different trade standards has kind of been as significant as borders have been over the last couple of centuries at least. Uh, well, the last 50 years, more than anything, when we went away from a bullion standard, uh, a gold and silver standard for money, uh, but the last couple of year, hundred years on top of that. And the most concerning thing is they can cancel your ability to trade if they choose to. And it's not just a local government ability to do that. It would be a worldwide ability since you're on a unified system. You would have an account that they can follow and track. So um, it's a really interesting scenario we find ourselves in because, again, just like the Pope scenario, it could easily fit into various descriptions of Revelation end times prophecies. Um, Never go for this, be dude. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I've steered clear of that, but it's just, it's just weird how it's all fallen together. Um, and then the the other things that aren't really hitting the news, there've been a couple dozen major volcano eruptions in the last few weeks. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if hundreds is the right word, but high dozens, potentially hundreds of earthquakes all over the world. Uh, one area, and I'm going. I'm drawing a blank on what it was. I think it was somewhere in the Pacific. I may be wrong though. One area, this one country had like 25 earthquakes in a day, and uh, aftershocks are a common thing, right? With us having California and their high earthquake count, we understand that earthquakes have aftershocks, and each one of those counts is a unique earthquake. Right. And sometimes the aftershocks are larger than the original earthquake. But it, the the way this reported, it made it seem like something other than just aftershocks following the major earthquake, yeah. the initial earthquake. Um, and again, the, the physical occurrences in the world are following in times prophecies. You know, there, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be violence and death. There will be earthquakes. There will be natural disasters. Uh, the the massive winter storm hitting the U.S. Uh, you know, centuries old, not centuries, hundred uh, year old records being broken all over Texas. Two hundred and sixteen consecutive hours below freezing in Texas. What? Um, there's a lot stacking up on each other that fits with the potential for revelation coming to life and it's just it's not cool seeing this happening with the pope as a central focus of his quote-unquote ministry with all these other things going on right you could you could play off any one of them you could play off any group of them but all that happening with the pope trying to unify religion around the world Well, it, it certainly ain't going to happen uh, under the banner of a false religion like Roman Catholicism. <laughs> no, you don't think so. Or, or uh, are you saying that it precisely would because it's a false religion, and that's the whole point of uh, this this one new world or one world world order? Man, I, I don't want to disparage my. 
Catholic brothers and sisters who I know are believers, but are, are steeped in the cultural practices of Catholicism because that's what they grew up in. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I could totally see Catholicism of this Pope merging and mutating into the beginnings of whatever is a one world religion from revelation right i don't know that it would at all represent catholicism in its final uh mark of the beast kind of form if that's you know if that's even a reality we all Uh, know the smartphone is the mark of the beast yeah right (laughs) um but it's it's not in your right hand for people like me, South Paul. I use my left hand. Uh, that just means you'll live longer. <laughs> well, I, I have a Bluetooth headset on on my head all the time, so I mean it's not on my forehead, but I've got it on my head instead of my hand. Uh, it's getting there. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm joking, people. Uh, the 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 Calvinists who West who West has brought to the show, please understand. I'm we're 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 being tongue in cheek, kind of sarcastic with this whole, uh, you know, left behind kind of interpretation of Revelation, but it, it it still is something to pay attention to that so many events are stacking on top of each other that easily fit the story of Revelation, right? Yeah. Uh, it 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 could be dismissed. But on the flip side, it's easily fits as well. Yeah, I, I would say that um, because of the squishiness with, um, and, and see now I'm going to turn my ire towards uh, Protestants now instead of Catholics. Um, the the squishiness with regard to the application of the hermeneutic used by um, dispensationalists throughout the years. To yep. try to find whether it's trying to find an end date or trying to apply this uh, activity going on somewhere in the world to this particular text, right? It changes so much. I would argue that really anything going on could be used to justify yeah. that type of belief. It's it's sort of like um, you know cults and conspiracy theories take you know, grains of truth, cover it up with a lie, repackage right. it, and, and try to lump things into a group that shouldn't be there, and that, that kind of thing. But that said, um, you know, I don't mean to disparage any individuals. It's the ideology that I will disparage uh, till the end of time, just for, just for clarification. I love Roman Catholics. I love um, even my dispensational brothers and sisters. Uh, I, I love you too. Um, but, um, from our perspective, right. So we would agree that that particular reading, um, at at the very least we we would say is just simply inaccurate. Yeah. Disby, Disby is not the most, uh, consistent or accurate way to interpret scripture. I can see where they come from because I used to believe it and I still see it, what they're reading. Yep. But I just I, I I am looking at it with different eyes now and don't believe that is the proper interpretation. Correct. We would agree there. So so from a, a non dispensational viewpoint, when we see events like this taking place, whether it's the Pope visiting uh, <clears throat> for this particular purpose, whether it's these other natural disasters going on uh, globally, 
domestically and globally, really. What is um, uh, an alternative, right? Not saying the correct way, but you know, we would acknowledge our view is correct. Otherwise, we wouldn't believe it, right? But what would you say is um, a more accurate way or uh, uh, at least an alternative, another option of how to approach looking at things like this? I mean, in several places in the New Testament, false prophets and false teachers are talked about and criticized and how to recognize them and how to reject their teachings. So it could just simply be a very influential, powerful false prophet or false teacher. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I shared this with you. We, we, yeah, I did. We talked about it on my timeline, uh, that church in, was it Tennessee that had that post about, uh, scripture being wrong, basically. Oh, scripture yeah. not being the word of God. It was a com- amalgamation of writings of people. Uh, I mean, uh, that's a big mega church influencing a lot of people. And it, it's proclaiming to the world that basically the Bible's wrong. Yeah. How can you claim to be Christian and the Bible be wrong uh, on that kind of level? Because it has to be properly contextualized. You right. Uh, here, the, the, the post was... The Bible isn't the Word of God. The Bible is product of community. The Bible isn't self-interpreting. The Bible is a library of texts. Isn't a science book. Nobody claims it is. That's a uh, straw man. Uh, isn't is multivocal. Uh, it's got different writers with different styles. It is not multivocal in that it gives different. Uh, a different story depending on what part you're reading. Uh, the Bible isn't an answer, a rule book. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Bible is a human response to God. Uh, okay. The Bible isn't inerrant or infallible. Wow. The Bible is living and dynamic. I mean, th- this is a self-proclaiming Christian church. Should I name the name of the place so people can avoid it? Oh, I'd, I'd never shy away from naming names. Grace Grace Point, with an E on the end, Grace Point Church. As a progressive church, we're open to the tensions and inconsistencies in the Bible. We know that it can't live up to the impossible modern standards. We, try, we strive to more clearly articulate what Scripture is and isn't. I mean, the audacity to claim that <laughs> is frightening. The more frightening thing is the massive volume of people who praise it as, yes, I agree. I've been looking for this my whole life. Yes, you've been looking for fiction to relieve you of the burden of hard facts your whole life. Yeah, pretty much. And, and people who call out the, the falsity and the, the false teachings are criticized is closed-minded bigoted and judgmental well okay if if holding to inherent objective truth makes me bigoted i'll own that mm-hmm. uh, so it could just be to answer your question if it's not a disby the end times being set up it could just be that the pope is one of the more powerful false teachers like this church and its leaders uh, and we just have to be mindful of the effect on the world, on Christianity, on uh, potential converts, on people who already are professing believers. 
we have to be able to steer people away from the false influence delivered by mouthpieces like that. I, I think that's really well said. And uh, this is this is an area where I, I think we would agree. Um, things like uh, the Pope's visit and this Grace Point Church thing, which um, just <laughs> we could have done the whole episode just on that. Uh, but it, it shows... Um, the impact of sin, not only on the world, but within the church itself, within the professed community of believers, right? Whether, whether we actually are saved or not, there is a group of people who would rightly be, be referred to as professed believers. Whether they possess the faith or not is another matter. But it, it points to the need not only for evangelism out there, but discipleship in here. Right. Not only uh, do we need to be making uh, disciples of all nations, we need to be making disciples uh, right here first. Right. And and it starts with cultivating um, the the mind, the the desires, the uh, behaviors uh, that are consistent with uh, biblical teaching, with a biblical worldview individually, then uh, as our household, then as a church, and then beyond the walls of the church. And it's, um, it really is sad, um, but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Muslims and Jews. Um, when we enter those conversations, let's recognize the differences that we have. Yeah. Right? Me and you can talk about differences that we have, but we can both agree that this right here is the final rule. Right? Yes, yes, you can be wrong. I can be wrong. This can't be wrong. And, and that's the basis of correction. Well, you can't do that if you believe that the Bible is not inerrant uh, or infallible. Right? You can't believe that's the case if it's not the word of God. And you can say we're open to the tensions and inconsistencies in the Bible. But are you open to the tensions and inconsistencies in the human heart? Are you open, uh, are, are you open to um, explain those away? Or, or, or do those inconsistencies and tensions need to be embraced uh, for the purpose of a relationship? Or do we need to recognize that those tensions and inconsistencies are a product of uh, depraved sin nature, however we understand that? Let's set that aside for a moment. <laughs> right. But the impact of sin in our life and the outgrowth of sinful desires that need to be corrected by the one source that can Correct that. Amen. And I mean, we've talked about it on here a little, I believe, early on. Uh, my primary spiritual gift is discernment. And I don't know how many listeners we have out there with the gift of discernment, but it, it's as much a curse as it is a gift because I am my own worst enemy, my own spiritual worst enemy. Uh, I, I, I see my thoughts. Uh, my uh, driving factors, uh, m- my uh, inner self much more clearly because of the discernment and see that about people around me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird gift because what most people imagine um, empathy being or ESP without the ability to literally read minds. 
is kind of on a surface level what it ends up being. Like I just I just realize uh, if if there's a lie going on, I don't even know the context of how I know it is. It's just I, I can often recognize it especially when I'm really spiritually in tune with God, you know, <laughs> with any gift, if, uh, if you don't feed it, it withers. Uh, but with discernment, man, it's, it's, it's a weird environment to live in this world because uh, I, I self-reflect as much as I use the gift externally. Um, I don't even remember where I was going with that, but um yeah, it's we have to start with the self. We have to start with our community. We have to be able to recognize the false teachings, call them out, mm-hmm. and move from that point. Uh, you, know, you were talking about the false uh, teachings and the sola scriptura con- uh, concept in general. I had a conversation with a dude earlier today on a uh christian tag group i think it was the group uh this is wholesome christian content or something like that that's a good group yeah and the guy was like i think it was where i found this article about the pope mm-hmm. as a matter of fact uh and this guy was like yeah if if a pagan wants to pray to his god uh for me i'll let him do that i'm like dude what i was like you should be professing God to him, telling him how only the God of the Bible can answer prayers and anything else is emptiness. And he he went on with this whole, whole long spiel about, yeah, they don't know what they're doing, so it's not really sinful. God God understands their their intentions are good. I was like, dude, that's not what Scripture says. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I quoted several passages where even those who sin and don't know they're sinning are still responsible for and guilty for their sin. Um, that's, uh, you know, when the Israelites are in, um, when Moses has first been given uh, the Old Covenant and uh, they're being given the law. And in the New Testament, in a couple of different places where it's describing people not being innocent for and us supposed to talk to people about their lack of innocence for guilt for sin, even if they don't understand they were sinning. Uh, And I was like, it's not just believers. It's not just the faithful. It's the unfaithful who are responsible for their sin. Yes, in both places, it identifies that there is a different level of responsibility for sin you do willingly versus sin you do unknowingly. But everybody is guilty and worthy of damnation for their sin, whether they do it knowingly or do it unknowingly. So to claim that these pagans are doing good in the eyes of God by praying to a false god, that is unbiblical. And he got into this whole thing, oh, great, you're one of those sola scriptura guys where nothing matters except what's in the Bible. I was like, that's oh, not sola whoa. scriptura. Yeah, that, that's first, that's not what sola scriptura is. And then he he moved the goalpost in his argument and said, uh, I forget what he ended up saying, but he basically contradicted his first statement that got me interacting with him. I was like, dude, sola scriptura means that the scripture is the ultimate authority. We can we can have our opinions on how to apply it if it's not explicitly stated in scripture, if we don't have clear guidance on some specific scenario or some specific topic. That that is 
the the glory and the beauty of the Bible. It gives us enough guidance that we can make those discerning decisions. But on something it clearly states is wrong, we cannot go and on our own accord claim otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that that's what got me worried with this whole Pope uh, interfaith prayer session in Iraq is I feel that the attitude he is taking into it is the same of this guy I was having this debate with that mm-hmm. uh, beliefs and experiences and sources of intellect and philosophy from outside scripture can matter as much as or more than scripture itself. Like he actually said Doubt. the church, this is the guy who said church is co-equal with the scripture. And I was like, Oh, uh, Ooh, sounds like he might be more Catholic than the Pope. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was a Catholic. <laughs> After that point, it, it made everything else he'd said up to that point sound very Catholic when he made that statement. Yeah. I, mm. But uh, it it's just... <sighs> I, don't, I don't even know where to go with it, man. It's, it's disconcerting. Yeah. Where the world is going, it's disconcerting that people who claim to be Orthodox Christians, devout Orthodox Christians, have such unbiblical perspectives. Yeah, and believe they're in the right. Like it, it makes me wonder if um, Billy Graham in the '90s made some state. Well. A, a statement was attributed to Billy Graham that as much as 90% of the people who claim to be Christians are going to be turned away at the gates of heaven because they they were cultural Christians, not real Christian. It, 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 society, no lies detected. Do what? No lies detected. Right? Society more every day makes me scared that he was prophetically accurate with that statement. Uh Man, I, our 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 world and our country, our our country, but our world most assuredly needs revival, man. Just on an unimaginable scale, because what we have now is just unsustainable. It is unbiblical. It's unchristian. It's unsustainable. It weighs heavy on my heart, man. Yeah. But, but let's be honest. It, it should. For, not yeah. just for you, but for all of us, right? That's where this desire for evangelism comes from. That's where this desire for apologetics and disciple making comes from, right? Having that heart for the other person. And, and while we're on this topic, one of the things that, that comes out is when you evangelize somebody who believes different from you, you're... It, it, it's like you're devaluing the person because, um, you know, you're saying you're better than them because you believe something and they should believe like you. That's not the case at all. You can't evangelize to somebody. You can't reach out to somebody like that unless you first value them immensely because that's the reason you're going to them because this is important. You need this, right? I didn't come up with it. I'm not the special one here, but I can point you to the one who is, right? Um, I saw on a T-shirt one time. Uh, I, I loved it. It's uh, just one uh, one beggar uh, telling another beggar where to find bread. <laughs> it's just that that type of mindset is yeah. it's it's 
you know, having the humility of our of, uh, for ourselves to recognize, look, apart from this, I'm I'm nothing, right? Absolutely. The, this makes sense of of everything, and and I'm not gonna uh, cite the source on this because the ideas stand fine on their own without the extra baggage, but there's um it was said there was kind of three uh, aspects of a worldview that have to come together. You have to have a logical consistency. You have to have evidential adequacy. adequacy. So it has to make sense logically. You have to have evidence for it, but there also needs to be an existential relevance. It has to mean something. Yeah. Right? And so when we're, we're coming to the table with this, this isn't anything that we've come up with. It's not new. If it was, we wouldn't want it. Right. <laughs> This, this newfangled thing or this fresh word from God is not going to save us, right? We need something. Uh, we're, we're, we're putting it forth because it helps make sense of things, right? It, it gives – there are reasons to believe this, and this is life-changing. Like the, those, those three levels, right? It, it makes sense. There's reasons for it, and it will change your life. And it all points to the, the supremacy of Scripture because if we can't believe Scripture, uh, or if uh, in in the case of Catholicism, if the Church has elevated the Scripture, or if the Scripture is pulled down, like Grace Point, uh, to the the fallibility of man, you lose the ability to have the consistency that you have within Scripture. Yes. And, you can say, not you, but um, you know, anyone can say there's inconsistencies all you want to. I'll agree there's tensions. There, there's some very deep, complex material I don't even understand yet, right? Uh, and I may not, you know, but by the grace of God, I understand more now than I did a year ago. Um, and even more important, that heart change will continue. And yeah. um, specifically, that heart change toward my neighbor, because um, you talk about your spiritual gift as discernment. I know one of the things that is um, whatever the opposite of a spiritual gift is, is this um, tendency to, to shell up. Right. To, to, I mean, I, I can be extroverted at times, but a lot of times I truly am an introvert where I don't really want to go out. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fine talking with anybody in, in family, but when it comes to new things, I I'm just as content to stand off to the side as I am to be in the middle of the conversation. I'm just as content to stay home as I am to go out and do something. Right. That's why we record and, this from our own house. Right. <laughs> and you know, that, that can be interpreted as introvert, but I mean, if anybody knows, you know, I am anything but an introvert. I think it's, it can easily, excuse me. I think it can just as easily, depending on the personality, be attributed to being comfortable in your own skin, comfortable in your own mind. Because as much as I like a crowd, I also like my peace in solemnity. So solemnity, uh, you know. Uh, Is that a word? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of the word I was thinking for. Uh, solitude, right? Yeah. I like my times of aloneness, whether it's just working in my office. You know, I, I've worked in an office. I've seen a handful of my coworkers in person 
uh, a couple dozen times other than my manager who I see a lot, well, not in the last year, but generally, uh, I've been to each of our Birmingham offices once in over three years of working with the company. I'm perfectly fine with being alone, but I like a crowd too. So Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily, uh, introversion because I am anything but an introvert. Uh, yeah, but uh, I feel what you're saying. Uh, one thing I'd like to add as we get offline, um, this whole Q concept is brought up. This uh, QAnon Q concept is brought up. This idea of Sabmix, Sabmik, S A B M Y K. Um, okay. Please people who claim to be Christians are getting exposed to the Christian faith. That's one interesting thing about this whole Q thing. It seems to be uh, a, a source of revival uh, for people either coming back to or coming for the first time to Christianity. Uh, beyond that, it's got a lot of really weird, quirky conspiracy stuff into it. Uh, but this Sabamic, uh seems to be being po- positioned as uh, a christ like figure um have some discernment about what you're reading and what you're being exposed to and don't just accept everything you're seeing because some of it is easily verifiable and easily provable um i haven't studied this enough to know exactly what the background is where it came from uh but it it really reeks of uh, a false prophet or antichrist, not capital A, little a, uh, antichrist kind of concept. Please be careful of that. And where I'm seeing it kind of attributes it to Trump. And God, we do not need a man like Trump. Is that what you're seeing? Well, no, uh, I'm not saying that. Uh, I I, I just, I'm worried with people attributing sainthood or uh, messiah status to trump right ah uh, okay I, i'm really savior status yeah uh <laughs> it, it, it seems to be that that's where this concept is moving towards it it, it was just a word that popped up in my research uh on the whole Q concept and the background. But the more I see it, the more it's some sort of Noah prophecy or artificial intelligence slash Messiah thing. And it's really mystic, like straight up mysticism. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's being postulated as the true scripture, as if it's, if it's above even, you know, Christian Bible scripture. Mm-hmm. I just, I beg people to have discernment as they study some of this stuff and follow it, because that is frightening what I'm starting to find on that. Well, that, I think that ship kind of sailed um, <laughs> several years ago. I mean, there was no small divide among congregations across the country when Trump was first running. Um, and Yeah, uh, I mean, and there's, 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 probably still Christians out there who follow Trump cultishly and religiously and believe in him that to that level. 
who aren't into this, but this this is just above and beyond any cultish level following of Trump, the politician. Like this yeah. is actually trying to turn him into a savior figure, a messiah figure, and it's oof, oof. It's not gonna work. Yeah. Trump Trump is not the uh, name uh, by which uh, any man can be saved. Uh, And for the Pope, it's also not Abraham, uh, for that matter, with this uh, Children of Abraham prayer summit he's got going. Uh, There's only one name, and uh, that's that's Jesus. Amen. I think that's a good place to hang it up for the night. I think so too. We we had some other things we wanted to get to, but man, we uh, we went down some rabbit holes, and that, and that was fun. We, we got to talk Don't about we always. Yeah, yeah, we do. But this this one, we always it, we didn't just like go off the rails and, and keep going, man. We uh, we, we would we go. Back. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> we were hiking down a path, and we'd go off the path for a little bit, catch a butterfly, and come back or something. <laughs> we chased butterflies. We didn't That's run it. into any bears or. Mountain lines, though. That's, that's right. right. That's that's exactly right. But uh, it was good. We'll uh we'll have some some solid material for for next week, uh, assuming you're not traveling, right? No, I'm not. And assuming we don't have anything new breaking happen in the next seven days. Uh, oh, we do have the courts uh, hearing five of the election cases last Friday in. Uh, immediately before they even said they were going to rule ruling yesterday against all five cases at least at least partially if not completely against all five cases they, they have no desire to hear them it, so before the before the election it was in you know we're diving right back into it after we said <laughs> we're hanging it up uh, we can talk about this in detail at a later date but before the election it was there's no standing and after the election by the time they actually there's get no it point. to the supreme court it's moot yeah, it, yeah. it's Oh man, Thomas railed on them in his dissent. Oh that we would tend to uh, side with. Right? They just refused yep. to hear it. They, they didn't send it back to the lower court. They didn't agree with the lower court's position. They just refused to even hear it. Right? The, the, the they, Supreme they Court is where this should happen. Yeah, the, the Supreme Court is where this case is heard, and they decide what was legal and what was not and what can be applied in future elections and what can't. And Thomas's dissent was, what the heck, dude? We've got to give clarity on what's legal and what's not. We can't just pass it past the buck and let it happen again the next cycle. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that on an episode. Entirely. Yeah. You're killing me, Smalls. Right. Because <laughs> that's Love basically it. what his response was. Yeah, that's what his response was in a nutshell. Yeah, so All if right, uh, 
for the, uh, the the listeners, if there's a, a topic in particular you want to hear us uh, unpack and, and uh, uh, discuss, let us know in the comments. Um, otherwise, sorry, I, I was talking over you, Alex. Final thoughts? Anything you want to add? We love you, people. What he said. <laughs> love you guys. We'll see you next time.